like we always do with this time. I go for mine, I got to shine. Now throw your hands up in the sky. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn on the Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Zantz, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. Two very special guests. It's a first-timer for Turn on the Jets Live. We got TOJ Zone, Dalvin Osaria. We also got Will Parkinson, host of the TOJ pod. What's up, fellas? How we doing? How we doing? What's up? What's up? What's up? It's great to be back with you guys, man. Uh, you know, I was I was telling I was telling Meigs, you know, another one of our TOJ guys. I was like, you know, I was like, I don't think I don't think they like me and Will, man. They, they, they haven't they haven't brought us together for starters. They didn't bring me back after week one. Uh, but I'm glad to be back with you guys to wrap, put a bow on your first year, man. Super excited. I know, I know. It's uh, it's bittersweet. You know, we've done the the full season. We've been going since mid May, so we're gonna wrap up this season uh, right now. But couldn't think of two better guests to have on than you guys. So thanks very much for joining us, guys. We're ready to uh, kick off this last show for the year. Yeah, right, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So we got one last game to recap, and then we don't have to talk about this team in terms of what they're doing on the field for quite some time. I feel like it was a weird game because the defense played one of their best games of the year against one of the best offenses in the league. But obviously the offense was basically non-existent because the offensive line was, you know, an abomination, which we sort of expected because, you know, there was a bunch of guys out and just, yeah, it was not a great situation with Dan Feeney blocking. But I just want to hear from all you guys, just your overall thoughts, you know, on the game, you know, where Zach was. I know he wasn't great, but he had that one highlight throw, which got us all really excited. So I'm going to start with Dalvin. What were your overall thoughts of the game? How do you think Zach fared? And, you know, how impressed were you with this defense? Yeah, I mean, I... I, you know, and I'm glad you brought me on with Will because Will has a blood feud with Quincy Williams dating back to the <laughs> olden does. times. Um, but good God, man. No, I think uh, the defense in particular, that was my, I think that was their definitely their best. I think their most complete game, um, you know, from start to finish. I also think, I mean, honestly, I know a lot of folks don't like to hear that, but I thought Zach played fine. I, you know, I mean, I think that Buffalo's defensive line is interesting because there's talent on Buffalo's defensive line, but they going into that game, they only had 33 sacks going into that game, right? They finished with seven against our offensive line, which is just, I think, a testament to how bad the offensive line <laughs> was, right? Um, you know, but I honestly, it's a game that like we're going to look back on and say it capped off a string of five straight games where Zach didn't have a turnover. And that's what I'm taking from it, right? Like there, there were things that he needed to clean up before, you know, when he got hurt. And I think he cleaned those things up, right? I, I thought the, the throw to Keelan Cole was a dart, uh, you know, and in that, in, in that, in those same conditions where we saw Mac Jones couldn't complete a damn thing, right? Zach ripped it through, through, through that cold Buffalo air. So honestly, I, I left feeling like, okay, well, you know what? There's stuff to build on for next year. And with all the cap space in the draft picks, I think there's a good chance that we're in a much better spot next year the next time we play Buffalo. So that's kind of how I took it. Yeah, Will, what do you think? Um, I, I just – it's hard to take a lot from that game. Um, it was just one of those games where, like, I, I tweeted beforehand, I like, I thought they were going to lose by 30. I tweeted my my brothers wrote me, Zach Statline would be 8 of 21. He went 7 to 20. Um, no, there's not – What do you, you can't put blame on Zach. He had the two highlight throws. He had the one really nice ball and a comeback to the left sideline. He had a really nice ball on fourth down. He held the ball forever, like every rookie's going to do in that situation. The offensive line was bad. The receivers were bad. The running backs weren't very good either. Um, I would like to see Zach. The one thing I didn't love that I saw from Zach that I need, think he needs to work on is you can't turn your back to the line of scrimmage over and over and over again. Once or twice, it works. Um, Zach's a very good athlete, but 
you're not a better athlete than everybody else in the field, every play. Um, and just knowing your surroundings, knowing, you know, he has the learning moment. He, he had the Sam self sack, which when Sam did it in year three, it's a problem. When you do it in year one in a meaningless game in Buffalo, it doesn't bother me. So from an offensive perspective, he had two nice throws. He didn't turn the ball over. Like DA said, um, defensively, they competed, they played hard. Um, I've actually been really impressed with Brandon Eccles. I know for some reason it's a hot topic. I don't know why we're talking about Brandon Eccles right now. Um, <laughs> James James put it in a not been in a tone which is different than the tone I would use. I would just say like he overachieved as a six rounder and showed a lot of flash and actually statistically was a better player than Bryce Hall this year. Now Bryce Hall guarded generally speaking harder players and is in year two and all these different things but defensively cj mosley shows up every week i think it was it's really cool to see that i think emotionally he's their leader i think it says a lot about guys that have no reason to go hard that they're still playing like their best football you know cj had a dip mid-year that i think um was a was a little concerning because you're like is this like is he declining did he like is he not the same player i think he's very much the same player it's just I don't know. I had this, I had this when I came back from being injured, you kind of hit a wall, like the beginning of the year, your body's fresh and you feel great. And then all of a sudden it's like, your body's not used to going 17, 18 weeks. He hasn't played football in two years. So Mm -hmm. um, the run fits are a huge problem. Ashton Davis's tackling angles are a huge problem. They get no pressure, all those things, like nothing. We didn't learn that much about the defense, but I just happy they competed. Um, Salah and the staff, I thought have gotten better. And they played competitive games against the Bills and Bucks back-to-back weeks in games both those teams needed to win, and the Jets were supremely undermanned. I guess that's what you take from it. It's almost like – I know the Bucks game would have been nice to win. It almost, like, feels good that they kept their draft position while also competing and Zach not playing badly. Like, so I'll leave it at that. But, yeah, there's not – I mean, how much can you really take from that game? The Bills were competing. The Jets aren't. This, this is very true. And they could have fell down. Like, you know, there's plenty of teams when they get to the last week of the season, they're playing for nothing. They could have easily just laid down, just like, let's pack it in. Like, you know, the team across the river that just fired their coach. Um, anyway, um, Steven, what were your overall thoughts? I know, you know, you probably just like all of us were just like, there's not much really here, but you still like were excited that they competed. Yeah. They basically were in the game until like midway to the fourth quarter, That's- which is better than anything I could have mm-hmm. expected. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I don't want to sit here and regurgitate what Dalvin and Will already said. I mean, I think they made obviously really good points. I think the one big thing on offense to take away is Zach not having any turnovers and going up against a good Bills defense yes. in Buffalo in January in inclement weather with a JV squad, which is probably being generous. You know, I, I said last week, too, they were bringing a knife to a gunfight. So for the fact that Zach doesn't turn the ball over, I think that's impressive for the team and the defense specifically to compete with a Bills team that's got everything on the line, playing for a division title, uh, to, like you said, hang in there, have it 13-10 midway through the fourth quarter. That's a testament to the strength or to the to the character of this team, to the young guys that came in to keep fighting, to the veterans, as Will pointed out, that came in and still played their asses off, and to the coaching staff to have them prepared and, and still trying to win in a meaningless game in Buffalo in January when they know they're all going home after that. So, I think the big takeaway is the fight in this team and the fact that I think we see real tangible building blocks uh, that we can actually count on for the future. And you kind of see the vision and what the trajectory of this team could be. Um, I think that's real. Um, I think as you know, we probably get into it, you see it in the, the offseason pre- or the, the press conference with uh, with Sala and Douglas. I think they're tied at the hip. I just think you see the building blocks start to, to actually being formed here. And uh, it's something that we haven't had in a decade which is very nice. Nice change of pace for us. So that's my takeaway. I feel like there's just a lot of optimism. I mean, there's a lot of optimism after the solid hire, but I think it's, it's even more because you see the pieces that they put in place, especially the 2021 draft 
that makes sense and like why this team has a bright future. Whereas there's been so many years as Jet fans, we've all been like, there's not that much we could cling our hope to. Like it was Jamal Adams for a while and we kind of had a little bit of hope with Sam. Sorry, Will, I know this is a sour subject for you, but the point is, is like they have a lot of young pieces and they have a lot of guys that you feel good about. But, you know, I don't want to talk about this game anymore. The season's over, four and 13. I was hoping closer to six or seven, even five would have been nice. I honestly think if they actually close out that box game and won, there would be everyone would be like, this is like a culture changing win for the Jets to beat Tom Brady, to like, you know, send them out of MetLife Stadium probably for the last time with a loss. And of course, they didn't get that. But like, I actually think the media would be talking more about the Jets, how they turned the corner as an organization. And because you lost that game, you don't have that benefit of the doubt. But I want to talk more just bigger picture about the team now. And I talked to you guys about this before we went live. It's just we're gonna do a little awards. We're not gonna just do like MVP. It'll be more like a little more fun. So we're gonna kick it off with the uh, Jericho Kotcher Award, as I decided to name it, as the most underrated guy of the 2021 season. So I'm gonna kick it off with Will. Who was your Jericho Kotcher Award winner? Uh, <laughs> it's hard because like I was gonna go Brax, but he's not underrated anymore. He's getting yeah. progressively overrated, um, unfortunately now by the fan base. Um, I'll go. I'll go with a guy who I think the Jets should let walk, but a guy like Foley um, who gets no talk ever. Um, he shows up every one. week. Um, I was going to go him or Rankins. I just felt like they both are guys that interior defensive linemen, are there, like if you're not a top five pick, no one really cares what you're doing on a week-to-week basis. Um, but they put, they do a lot of dirty work. I actually thought they both played well. Uh, Foley graded out really well. It's nothing against him that I want him to walk. It's more of a price tag for a two gapping. Yeah. It's uh, value and, for a not value. It's, yeah. I like can't the Jets pay always, no, yeah. yeah, I can't pay eight nine million dollars a year for guys that don't get sacks anymore. Yeah. I, I can't do it. It's true. And like think about all those times when the Jets were bad, but they had a good run defense. It's like why would you want to pay for that when your team isn't winning? Yeah, Steven, just, gonna... yeah. No, I just was going to say, I want to hit on one thing. Sorry, it's so hard to not be in like host mode, but you had made actually a really <laughs> good point. I thought you made a good point there, but about talking about how like the trajectory around the Jets is there's a lot of positive vibes right now. And you see that for both local and national media. Mm-hmm. I think something that's worked against the Jets for a long time is, or in the Giants' favor, I should say, is the Jets haven't been to the Super Bowl since 1969. And it's, you know, it's 53 years today and whatever. Like that's great. Um, but it's kind of bailed the Giants out of the Giants had a lot of really tough times too. the burning of the tickets, the flying over the, you know, stadiums in the seventies. And like the other day, there's 15, 20,000 people in the stadium. The Jets kind of have a chance here to take this and run with it. Um, even when the Jets were really good in the two thousands, the Giants are obviously really good in winning Super Bowl. So they didn't, it wasn't like, no matter how good the Jets were in 2010, the Giants won the Super Bowl the next year. It's not like they had any chance. Yeah. Um, the Jets are in a real spot here. The Giants are an actual legitimate mess and the Jets are trending up and like, you kind of have to take advantage of this. Um, you can't, you can't then bottom out again and be like, Oh, oh poor Jets. No, dude, you had your chance. This is it. Take advantage. Sorry. Just thought about that. <laughs> no, day. this is good. All right, Steven, who is your winner of the Jericho Patrick award? <laughs> yeah. So obviously I had to <clears throat> make a list with four of us on the show. So I don't want to say the same as, uh, as everybody yeah. else. I did have Braxton there, but Will is hundred percent right. Cause Early on in the season, yeah. you know, we were, we were complaining about Braxton getting targets uh, because we wanted Mims <laughs> to get targets over him. And now, you know, fast forward to the end of the year and we're all clamoring for him to get like a 10 million a year deal. It's like, let's pump the brakes. He's a nice player. Probably should get extended or probably should get a deal. But uh, so I'm not going to say Barrios, but I will go uh, actually uh, kind of more recency bias here. But it's someone that uh, that will mention in his opening is is Brandon Eccles. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's been. Uh, 
to say that Joe Douglas didn't absolutely hit on a six round corner that started and started and played well, specifically that progressed the way he did toward the end of the year. I think it's just crazy. So for him to come in as a six rounder, start the full year, play extremely well, get two picks, one return for a touchdown, pick off the goat. And I think we saw when he was hurt mid year and Isaiah, Isaiah Dunn filled in how bad that experience was just showed you how good Brandon Eccles actually was. So to, to get a guy in the sixth round that can be a, at least a piece, uh, someone that you can rely on if and only if just for depth, that's fine. As a sixth round pick, I think that is, is underrated in itself. So for Joe Douglas to find that considering what we saw in the 2020 draft class for him to get that in 21 and to have him be a starter um, the way that he was, the way he performed, I'd go with Brandon Eccles. Another good choice. Dalvin, it's your turn, and then I'll, I'll wrap this one up. Yeah, I think we're like two weeks away from Jet fans saying that, like, you, you just got to, you know, franchise tag Braxton Barrios at the wide receiver. amount <laughs> <No. laughs> I, think, I think that's kind of and, – and it's it's mind-boggling. And, and this isn't the only fan base that does it, but we have a tendency as, as Jet fans – and not weak, you know, because we're logical, I guess. But the fan base in general has a tendency to <clears> – and Brandon Eccles is a prime example of that – Brandon Eccles can be good, and the Jets can also need to add a quarterback. Like they're not not mutually independent. <laughs> they're not mutually independent. Yes. Brandon Eccles didn't show me enough to be like, you know what? If Revis wants to come out of retirement right now, we don't need him. We have Brandon Eccles. <laughs> it's, it's not that. Um, but I think for me, I'm I'm gonna go Sheldon Rankins, man. And I think I think folks have forgotten how good Sheldon Rankins was because he was hurt towards the end of his tenure in 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 New Orleans, man. But Sheldon is a beast, and I remember. <clears throat> There were games where he was the best interior defensive lineman yes. we had, right? Like, you know, and, and you know, my, my crusade against the other Q, Q Williams is well documented on Twitter. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest because this was something that came up like a week ago or two weeks ago. Somebody said that folks are mad that Quentin Williams doesn't give you edge production. I'm sorry, man, but if I'm taking you third overall, I need you to give me double digit sacks. That's that's what I need you to give me, right? Yeah. Sheldon Rankins was taken 12, 11th, right, right before she, right before Sheldon Richardson by New, by New Orleans. Sheldon Rankins is a guy that stops the run, gets to the quarterback, puts pressure on them, and does exactly what Quentin Williams does at a different draft slot for. $20 million cheaper, right? So that's kind of the deal. So if I had to give anybody an award, it'd be him. But I do I do love who, who Russo picked because I think Jet fans need to understand. Brandon Echols was good. Like, he was good. For a six, he's not, gonna be, he's not Richard Sherman, right? He was good. You got a good player for a six-round pick. That's what you want, right? That's how you start to change the culture here is by hitting on those late picks, that depth. Because for so long, the middle class of this Jets roster has been ignored, right? So, like, then that's when you end up with guys like Chancey Stuckey playing meaningful reps at wide receiver (laughs) or whatever, right? It's just not the way to be. But Brandon Echols was good. But I I, I give it to Sheldon Rankins, man. He was an animal on most days. Yeah. Another great choice. Um, I de- never even considered Barrios because like you guys said, he's getting a little overrated by Jet Twitter. And let's just make this clear. I don't want everyone to just attack us on Twitter. We all like him. We all think he should be extended, but he's, he's not Wayne Corbett just yet. Maybe baby Wayne Corbett, but like, he's got a lot to prove before he can have his name in the same conversation. But my choice is, uh, is LDT. And I think, you know, he was a midseason acquisition. So, you know, we don't know what it could have been for a full, you know, 17. But the one thing you can say is he was significantly better than Greg Van Routen. And the biggest difference about him being inserted in the lineup is the Jets were like the number two team in rushing from when the time he was inserted into the starting lineup to the end of the season. To me, like they couldn't even run for like more than 70 yards the first half of the season. So you got to give credit to someone like that because we were all just like bench Greg Van Rowan. Now I like don't even remember him anymore because it's been so long since he actually played. I know he went in, I guess, when um, LDT was on the COVID list, but like 
it's night and day. He actually was a competent starting, you know, right guard in the NFL. I know he's 30. I know he said his career, he doesn't know if he wants to continue playing football because he has his medical career. I mean, if he definitely wants to come back, I think he's hundred percent worth bringing back, whether you make a big move in terms of getting someone in free agency a trade or even a high draft pick, maybe in the second or third round, but he's someone like, like Dalvin just said, depth. We need depth in case guys go down. Cause that's the NFL. Like, Think about teams like the Ravens. I know I got I got shredded for this comparing the Ravens being competing because of injuries and the Jets. I know Dalvin does not agree with me on this, and it's okay. But my point is, is they had the benefit of having depth, which is why they were able to be so productive and competent, even without Lamar Jackson at times, and even with like their fifth string running back. It's just important in the NFL. And LDC is a guy you definitely want to have in your team. It seems like he's a really well luck guy in the locker room. He gives great interviews with the press. So I, th- I think LDT definitely deserves that award. Um We'll do the opposite in terms of somebody that we don't like. So we're going to do a send this guy into the sun award. So I'm going to start with Dalvin. <laughs> Who's your send this guy in the sun award. All right. You're asking me this right now. Understand that you're asking me this on January 12, 2022. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the guy that I'm, that I, I mean, on, on the, on the very, very, very first thing smoking, the first thing smoking is Connor McGovern on the first thing smoking, okay? I, listen, man, there were so many times, and 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 let me tell you this, man. I'm So very few things bother me more than when pro athletes troll fans, like, on Twitter, right? Because, yes. right? Like, the part of the, like, part of the word fanatic is fan in it, right? Like, that's kind mm-hmm. of the deal, right? I, I very much was bothered by Connor McGovern pointing out that, like, oh, it wasn't his fault that, like, this nose tackle just flew right by him because he was supposed to cover the right <laughs> gap or whatever. That's a, That bothers me because I'm like, listen, man, you let your rookie your rookie left guard out to dry? You're, so you're basically saying it's his fault, right? That's basically what you're saying. <laughs> um, there were times that he threw Zach under the bus dirt this year, and I hate that, too. That bothers me, right? Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the king of that, and that's why if I ever see Ryan Fitzpatrick on the street, I'm running him over. Like, that, that, that's all <laughs> But Connor McGovern, man, I cannot wait till he's off this team. I, I I hated the fact that Joe Douglas didn't upgrade at center. And even I, because if you would have upgraded at center, you move him to right guard and you're a better offensive line that way because he's kind of hidden between, you know, Fant, Moses. And you didn't know they were going to have Moses at that point. But McGovern makes the offensive line that much worse. To your point, Stephen, the good doctor played really, really well. Mm-hmm. He also covered up a lot from a govern man over the last like five games to the he point did. that folks that folks on Twitter were saying, oh, you know what? We really shouldn't draft Tyler Linderbaum. We're good at center. Get the hell out of here. Put him on a rocket. Get him out of here. I can't wait for him to be off this team. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, who's your setting this guy in the southern world? <laughs> wow. I love that. I, we've had more Fitzpatrick convos on the two episodes that Dolvin's been on here than uh, <laughs> than ever before. So, uh, no, can I? I'm going to send a group of players. I'm just going to say the entire tight end room. Get him out of here. All, All right. Evidenced by Tyler Croft and that horrific drop on Sunday. Like, please, I think the biggest Cardinal sin that Joe Douglas did this year was going into the going into this season with a rookie quarterback and that tight end room. You knew that Tyler Croft couldn't produce a full season. He's a decent tight end. Wasn't going to stay healthy. Ryan Griffin, Daniel Brown, just not pass catchers at all. Not reliable threats. The entire tight end room sent him to the sun. Uh, they need to remake that entire room. Kenny yes. uh, Yeboah, they can keep uh, fine as a three. If you don't come into 2022 with a veteran signing and a rookie tight end, that both that can catch the ball and run block, or I'm sorry, and block, yes, that it's it's a it's not a success then. They need to rebuild that entire tight end room. Going into 2021 with those three guys was awful. So send them all away. I don't want to see any of them ever again. All right, I'm ready for Will. I feel like he's got some fire here. Who's your send this guy in the sudden award winner? 
I was just looking. I like I, you forget how much Tyler Croft got hurt. He hasn't played 17 or 16 games since 2017. Um, wild. I, I kind of go I go back and forth with this. I have a feeling. Actually, Stephen, go first because I feel like I know where you're going to go with this, and I want you to get this out of the way because I don't take your guy. <laughs> I don't think. No, I'm actually surprised that none of you guys took this because he got benched, so it's like different. But it's it's Gerard Davis, and Ooh. that was one of the biggest waste signings I've ever seen. Like we've had some bad ones. He was the first guy that they signed during free agency for a position of need. And he was so bad. Like he was hurt. We're like, oh, maybe he's hurt. That guy just could, didn't look lost out there. And listen, Quincy Williams, I want to give him all credit in the world. He had a great season, except the fact that he never looks up when he can have an interception. And it happened at least five times. But Gerard Davis was so bad. And Salah, who should be good with linebackers, I, that one just bothered me a lot. Send him in the sun. Draft some guys. I know we got some guys like Hamza and um, – I can't remember. And Sherwood, who also all got hurt. But just get rid of that guy. He's the worst. All right, well, I guess I didn't take yours. No, I, uh, I mean, obviously, I, I've i been pretty public about the Quincy Gerard Davis run fits. Um, yes. Anyone that – you don't have to love film or have played football. If you, like, just genuinely – like, I'm not even kidding. Go watch any – the Colts game, both the Bills games, the Patriot games. There's, like, one common theme, and it's – there's one linebacker in the right spot and there's one guy that's in the wrong spot. And I'll give you a hint. It's not CJ Mosley. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like obviously the, you know, Quincy will be back on the team. So I don't want to, I'm not going to fire him into the sun, but I will fire him into the sun. If he is a starter on this team next year, I'll tell you that much. Um, I was going to go Mims, but like, I just feel like there's a lot of, he's He's taken enough abuse on, I'm sure this show on every show, the dudes had, there's gotta be something upstairs off. Um, and I, I actually genuinely feel like he needs like to get away from football for a month and like come back and be like, dude, the NFL is not easy and it might've looked okay year one, but year two, like you looked awful. Um, tight end room's a good call. I'm going to go, this is a guy that Dick's like barely dressed, but Michael Piran cannot be on this roster next year. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really bad when you have your year removed from your draft class and you and your college teammate Jabari Zuniga cannot get on the field. Not only cannot get on the field, like for meaningful reps, I mean, you can't even, you can't even dread you're a healthy scratch every week, let alone on the practice squad. And they're not big deals, but those are the type of bottom tier guys on the roster. Um, first of all, those guys were third and fourth round picks. Um, that's a huge problem. And B like you need those guys. That's the whole point of having those guys is so you don't need to sign Tevin Coleman, who, yes, was fine this year, and he showed more than we thought. But, like, why are the Jets having to spend three, four million bucks a year after – on a running back a year after drafting a guy in the fourth round? That's a problem to me. So, Piran, Zuniga, that whole middle of that class, Cam Clark, dude, peace. Like, I, cut bait now. Get, get it over with. Because you have a bunch of picks this year. You cannot have 10, 11 picks every year. The middle of that class, Ashton can stick around because he's a good special teams guy and he's a good sub package guy. You're gonna die on the Ashton Davis. Right. You're like yeah, but like I, I'd rather I'd rather have Ashton Davis <laughs> on the field than pretty much anyone else other than Bryce Hall and and Beckton in that class right now. At least knowing like if Davis is in a ten to fifteen rep a game role where he's doing like specific blitz packages or he's able to like play true center field and like thirty yards away so he can't take a bad angle, sure. It's when he's asked to play 75, 80 reps a game next to Elijah Riley, 
next to Jason Pinnock. I, I, I want you starts... to think about that. I want you to think about that right now. You said that his best, the way that you would feel good having him on this roster. Oh, it's bad. If we put it's him very as far bad. away from the ball as possible. It was a, a very it's, specific it's, set it's, of circumstances for Ashton Davis to succeed. Yes. <laughs> he just he can be on the roster. The other guys, if they're if if I Michael Piran, he had a great camp. He was running people over and in shell drills, which is so cool. Um, unfortunately, you couldn't Will make the said, game day Basically, roster. if Ashton Davis can be playing safety in Niagara Falls, that is how I would <laughs> If Ashton Davis can go – if Ashton Davis can become, like – trying to think of a good Jet here. If Ashton Davis plays as much as Daniel Sorensen, the Jets have a problem. Let's just put it that way. I need him to play, like, 10 snaps a game, have one cool play, no negatives – He's really cool in training camp because he's tatted up and does backflips, and that's it. Nothing else. Fair. I have an additional add-on. I want to throw one more guy into the sun, if I could, please. Nathan Shepard. Nathan Shepard, get him all the way out. Talk, like all the way we all com- we all complain about the frequency that Sal and Ulbrich rotate that DL. So when he's seeing meaningful snaps, game in and game out, with zero contribution other than getting ridiculous penalties, I think he has to lead the world in holding penalties on run plays. Get him out, like <laughs> seriously. He should not be on this team next year. He provides no contribution to this defensive line. It, it, that's it. He's done. Nothing. Like I guess we'll add in one more guy who will not be back. <laughs> I hope. And I don't – I feel bad because this guy should not even be in the NFL where he is like a bottom of the practice squad guy. But Connor McDermott, I know the catch was really fun, and I understand – like I'm not trying yeah, to be a bad. dick here. But like, dude, it's it's really bad. And it's it's honestly like it, – you genuinely feel bad because he cannot move. And then like he – Zach, there's a couple times where – there's a, the play in Miami, and I know it tweeted this out. And like I, I, like I honestly felt bad about it because it's like I know it's a miscommunication, but – if this is 10 or 15 years ago, Zach's probably still in a coma because like <laughs> there was a wide nine defensive end that didn't get touched and ran 20 yards full steam at Zach's back and annihilated him. And like the jets are really lucky in that they cannot have that stuff on the roster. It can't happen anymore. So I know he won't be back, but um, just saying, please. Also please one, one, one extra vote from Mike white. Mike white's got to go, man. Like Why? Mike white's got to go. Let me, let me Why? tell you, let me tell you. You wonder what somebody somebody said on Twitter the other day. Somebody said that the reason the Jets are going to get rid of him is because they don't want him to take Zach's throne. Listen, Will, what was the stat that you cited for, for Mike White? The most interceptable passes in the league? So right? the highest the highest interception percentage in the NFL of a minimum of three starts is Mike White. And he has more turnover where he plays in three qu- and seven quarters than Zach did in 39 quarters or 43 and somehow, quarters. And somehow folks were – Talking out th- out there, you know what? Saying, "Oh my God, man! You know, look, he's just like our Tony Romo." What? All right, that's I was very upset. But, right. I was very upset. <laughs> I am totally fine with keeping Mike White as the backup on this team. Joe Flacco, get a better... cool Joe. No, cool Joe I don't Flacco. want Joe Flacco. Cool but Joe Zach Flacco. really likes that. Listen. Delvin, I'll say this about Mike White. That Bengals game was so much fun, and you know it, and you had a oh, great it was. time. So don't don't bash on Mike White. It was White, fun. Man. It was fun. You know what else was fun? I said this on Twitter. Lin Sanity was fun for Nick fans. Ask them, ask any of them if they want Jeremy Lin back. Okay? Uh, it was <laughs> one of the best two weeks of my Some life. Some of the best the two weeks the Knicks have had, right? <laughs> but yes, it was a very similar sentiment. But um, yeah, I mean, all worthy candidates. I didn't really want to pile on Mims. I feel like there's just nothing to be said anymore, which is why I didn't, I mean. 
I was so high on him. I was so happy when he fell to us when they traded back. It just it just sucks because I I've been saying this for a while now. I think it's a mental thing. I just don't think that he puts in the mental preparation with the playbook. I mean, that's been something they've been talking about since August, and he just never is in the right position. He had so many stupid penalties, whether it's illegal blocking, illegal formation. It's just like he just doesn't know what he's doing out there. And he just is like a freak athlete and it was fast, but he doesn't want to play football. He really doesn't. Baylor's offense is super easy for him because they just was throwing them up and he's like, he's physical. He can make catches, but it's, it's just a different thing. All right. Positive vibes. Now we'll get out. We had our little rants. I, I like that. We had extra members of the send this guy to the sun award, but we'll do best moment of the season uh, and personal favorite, I guess. So I'm going to say it was probably, and I, I said this on Twitter, but I'm only going to pick one court. Uh, Zach's throw to Corey against the Titans. That was just one of the coolest things I've ever seen a Jets quarterback do. I'm sure you guys are probably thinking about that. But that was just so much fun. Like, Bob Schusen's call was so electric. It was just one of my favorite things. It was like, wow, this was like a Patrick Mahomes throw. And no, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but it was just like, you know, pointing up off platform and dropped it right in the bucket. It was just awesome. And I was super happy to see that. And I was like, maybe this is our quarterback. I don't really know. <laughs> Will, what was yours? Um, I, This one was kind of difficult because I felt like a lot of the – the Jets moments were kind of eerily similar, like the defensive mm-hmm. moments, all the really cool stuff kind of felt similar where it was a one big time stop at home. Um, this is going to be a weird one. Cause I know everyone's going to probably go Zach moments or something. I had genuine, there was two CJ Mosley plays this year that I felt like, like I really nerded out with one, the hit against the Broncos on the goal line. Like, yes, that's the hardest that the awesome. Jets players hit somebody in 10 years. Um, and there's a play, there was a play on third down against the Titans. CJ Mosley changed the play at the line of scrimmage, literally lined every single person on the defense up. They get a sack on coverage sack on Tannehill because he changed the play. Like Robert Sala geeked out about it. Mosley geeked out about it. It helped him beat the Titans in a game where they beat the number one seed. I just felt like there was little moments in a season that the fact that that stuck out on a third nine, the third quarter or fourth quarter, like there's something special about that. There's obviously a lot of cool Zach plays, but um, those two for me were just like, total football nerd like we have a really cool player on defense that doesn't that actually does stuff consistently and tries yeah mr russo what was your favorite moment of the season uh <clears throat> steven i think yours was really good I, I have a funny story about that play actually so dalvin i think you can attest to this that uh we're out of market so uh i have to watch the jets games via the sunday ticket so that means i'm on a slight delay if you guys remember uh, the Titans game, Will, I believe you were actually there at the game. Uh, so since I'm on a delay, I typically have to not look at my Slack comments. And Will had a not safe for work uh, comment in the Slack in regards to that play that I accidentally looked at and then knew something good was coming for that uh, <laughs> that next play, the Zach Bomb to Corey Davis. I didn't know it was going to be that good, so it still exceeded expectations. But that was uh, that was extremely fun. But I'm going to go uh, kind of off the beaten path here um, and go the even though it came in a loss, uh, the 62 yarder to uh, Elijah Moore from Joe Flacco in that Dolphins game. It's just been so long since we've had excitement around an offensive player and a a guy with some explosion like Elijah Moore has. So to see that. And to have him go for a 62-yard touchdown the way that he did to tie the game uh, at that moment was just really cool. I just uh, – I think the excitement that we all have around Elijah and what he could mean to this team, what he did mean to this team, first of all, this season, uh, being the best weapon as a second rounder, and then what he could mean to this team moving forward. And for that to, to happen, to tie a game and 62 yards, that was just uh, – I thought that was probably my favorite play of the season. Yeah, definitely another good one. I mean, you know, they're easy to find because we, you know, had a lot of down moments as Jet fans. 
And Dalvin, what was your favorite moment of the season? Yeah, I think all of those are, are really good moments. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two. Uh, one, and not so much because of the throw, but so you guys remember the the Jets comeback against the Texans with Sanchez in 2011. Right? Yes. Um, and there was there was the point where where Mark pointed at at at, uh, at Braylon and threw it down yeah. the sideline. Right, he caught it, and the touchdown came right after. Right. There's just something cool about a quarterback pointing his receiver open. There's yes. just something really cool about that. <laughs> but. The Keelan Cole throw in that same Titans game, where yes. he caught it on the sideline. What reminded me of the Bra- of the Braylon catch? Like I was like, wow! I was like, that's a crazy concentration. The the DB of the Titans didn't really give Keelan much space right between his foot and the sideline. I thought that was crazy, but I think anytime Michael Carter runs, man, I get excited uh, yeah. because because I think I think it's it's really fascinating how and he's very low to the ground, right? He's a compact runner. He keeps his legs moving. Um, even even when you think you have him in the backfield, he's spinning away from contact, getting extra yards every time he touches the ball. Similar to what Russo just mentioned about Elijah Moore, I get excited when Michael Carter touches the yes. ball, and it's been a really long time. Like like when when Chris Ivory used to when Chris Ivory was here and he was in the open field and he was looking for contact, right? Like I was like, oh man, that's crazy. Michael Carter does that, but he's a much smaller back, right? But he does not shy away from contact at all. Um, so I think honestly, his 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 ability to excite me every time he touches the ball, that's that's dope for me. But the Keelan Cole catch, I think, was one that yeah. I've watched even on YouTube. Like I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna go back and rewatch it. Um, and Russo, I share your pain too, because like I they, these 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 dudes ruin things all the time, guys. You guys should know that for it's us, hundred percent my fault. For all these, because Will 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 say, "Oh my God, what the right?" And then I'm like, "Oh shit, something's coming." Something's coming. <laughs> Without will, fail, I have Without to admit fail. though, during the games because you're at all the home games, like the fact that you can like tell us things so quickly, it's insane. Like it's, the fact that you're my able fingers, to bro. They it's <laughs> but the, the service in MetLife sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's but it's like hard. I'm getting tweets off stuff in Slack and responding like 32 text calls. It's bad. The one play that <laughs> no, the only that we didn't mention that honorable mention the play didn't count because of a terrible call. But Keelan the Keelan Cole, Cole the Keelan Cole Bengals catch would have been probably one of the two or three best catches we saw all year, like around the whole league. Yeah. Um, I know he lost his superpowers after that and became again a jag after that. But um, before that, he was playing well and like that catch was nuts. So I wish that would have counted because I thought that was one of those plays that like doesn't happen very often. And unfortunately, school backs caught the touchdown after, but he wasn't in bounds and Cole was. So that's yeah. another story. <laughs> yeah, that the, was the, the 50 yard run by uh, by Zach uh, against Jacksonville. Yes. Honorable mention. The Philly Philly two point conversion to Mike White, even though Dalvin hates that sick. That's I mean that that's a, that was a moment, and that was so, uh, that was a lot of fun in that moment. So Dalvin is Mike White in the Fitzpatrick conversation? <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds man, like no, it. No, nobody's no, in the Fitzpatrick no, 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 conversation. There's levels to the hate, guys. There's levels to the hate, man. Like Fitzpatrick <laughs> is there. Like if I if I had to rank the pantheon of hate, <laughs> Fitzpatrick is there, be, and in a lot of ways, one because he stole money from the Jets. Yes, <laughs> well, he, he did. Right, he stole money from the Jets, and he used to be a Buffalo Bill. So you have Fitzpatrick, you got Adam Gase. Adam Gase is in that pantheon, right? Just it's very hard for me, man, to root for guys when I when I didn't like them because they played for like a division a division opponent or whatever. So like if Tom Brady decided today, like, hey man, I want to finish my career with the Jets, I that that'd be the day I become a Ravens fan. Like I'd be like, yo, now nah, this is it. 
I can't I can't do this. Like Brady, Gase, Jason Taylor was. I was gonna ask if Jason Taylor was in that category. Weird to root for him, man. That was really weird. Like a lot of it is weird, man. A lot of it is weird. So my my fandom is very very connected. Like like you guys know I'm a Mavs fan, right? Hate anybody that plays for the Spurs, except for Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan's cool, but I really hate Tim Duncan. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but Mike White's not there. Mike White's not there. All right, I was just making sure because I'm just like, damn, like. I was like, Mike White is fine for being the backup mixture. I mean, like, yeah, if you can get a better option, sure. But he at least showed that, like, he could step in if they, if someone, if Zach got hurt. So I'm fine with it. You know it. what does it? I'll tell you what does it, man. This is, this is what it is, right? Cause, and this is what happens when you have a, a group of us, right? Who've, you know, done all these amazing things. And again, I alluded to this at the beginning. Are you guys making a full year of, of this? You know, hats off to you guys because you guys have busted your ass to do it, right? And I said this when I first came on with you guys. You two are genuinely good dudes that deserve all the success. Will, same thing, same thing for you. But we are not, we are too online, right? So when I see like people saying crazy shit, I'm like, no, 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 we're not doing this. Like the Mike White, like I didn't, I, I was fine with Mike White until people were like, you know, we could trade Zach in the offseason and just hand the reins to Mike White. I was like, oh my God. Like, wait a minute, we're not doing that. Same thing with Brax, right? Like now folks are like, listen, man, we don't really need to invest in the wide receiver room. We have Brax. We, so no. You mean to tell me that because we have a glorified punt returner who's really good on gadget plays, we shouldn't go get Calvin Ridley? That's what you're telling me? That's what this is going so no, that's what it is, man. That's what it is. Bring back Brax and get two more receivers. That's what you need to do. That's what you, what you do, right? It's not, it's not just, <laughs> oh, we're good with Corey Davis, who clearly developed stone hands over here. And, you know, uh, uh, Elijah Moore for nine games, if he's healthy or not or whatever, right? Like, no, you you need to give Zach a chance. And and only keeping Braxton Berrios is not how you give Zach Wilson no, a that's, chance. No, that's a horrible idea. That's like just – I don't want to talk about the nightmares. If this is literally the receiving core we go into next year, so that's that's not what we can uh, be doing. It's not gonna. It won't be. Don't worry. Yeah. No. I, I'm, I'm, according, I can assure you, every single person I've spoken to, they're gonna invest in receiver. I don't know where, but I look at Will with his inside sources. I but, know. Uh, Hopefully both. Yeah. Just let's go heavy. Both. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that both uh, Jameson Williams and uh, Drake London both have those injuries, that could help them slip if the Jets decide to trade back for whatever reason. So I think that's something worth uh, definitely monitoring as we get closer to the combine, everything, pro days. But um, I did want to transition to the Senior Bowl because obviously the news that came out this week that the Jets are going to be coaching the Senior Bowl. I feel like this is like the first time that at least I can remember they were part of this because usually they never are drafting high enough because whenever we're bad and we're always like, number four, number three. So, Will, I know you're going to go there to cover later this month, but I'm just curious your all, all of your thoughts just about the Jets doing this because I think there's a lot of benefits for this Jets team because, you know, this draft is so important for Joe Douglas. It's so important for this entire organization to really hit on all this high capital because we got four picks in the top, top 60. It's like, I'm just curious, Will, like, what are your, like, what are your thoughts here? Like, how do you, how do you like plan to, like, what, what are you going to be doing when you're out there as well? Yeah, so, um, yeah, no, I'm super excited. Everyone I've talked to in the Jets building this week is thrilled, honestly. Like, coaches I've spoken to are pumped. They want to coach these guys up. It's important for the staff. A year two of a staff, keeping pretty much everyone intact is important. That's the first time in a long time I think the Jets can say that. We're like, everyone's coming back. Coordinators, position coaches. Yes, things could change. Uh, position coaches get, you know, but I don't see people poaching the Jets staff this year. Um I think it's important. They haven't coached it since 1979. That draft, they drafted, you know, half the sack exchange and Marty Lyons and Gastineau. Gastineau's famously broke out the senior bowl. And Connie, who's been on our, been on my show, is awesome. Obviously, Jets Twitter, you know, legend, um, you know, helped scout him and the whole thing. And like, there's the whole kind of like 
really like cool, fun aspect of it. More currently, the Niners coached it in 2019, coming off a five and 11 year. They won a couple of games at the end of the year. They traded for Jimmy. Um, and then they coached Debo Samuel, who they took in the second round. And they said they would not have taken Debo um, if they had not coached him at the senior bowl. LaFleur was coaching. He was a Niners assistant at the time. Salah coached the defense up. It was apparently he brought like so much energy to practice. It's kind of where he broke out as this guy's going to be a head coach in the league. Um, all that being said, I think, you know, position groups and DA can speak to this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of working my way through some of these prospects now. Um, obviously, I'm more of on the pro side, but you know, the tight end room is really, really strong at the senior bowl. Um, yes. The Jets, the Jets need tight ends. Um, the, the offensive line, there's interior guys like Zion Johnson that'll be there. The Jets need an interior. They need a right guard. Um, they need a corner. They need like there's guys there. They need Kobe Dean and and uh, I mean Devin Lloyd's going to be there. Devin Lloyd could very well be a Jet and would be fantastic next to CJ Mosley. So I think it's important for them to get hands on. I just think. Two, there's something about being able to coach guys up in practice um, and just see how they respond. Like, you know, Sal comes over to you and you make a bad play. Like when he, if he gives you positive encouragement, like, do you run with it? Or do you kind of like take it to your head? Like just very little things. Um, I'll be down there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Most people are only there for practice. Most people don't stay for the game. Um, It's the practice is what matters to people um, getting to be able to meet these guys and stuff. So um, that'll be really cool. I know Connor will be down there. Um, I think, from a Jets perspective, I believe DJ is going down. Um, other than that, I don't know if the whole Jets beat's going. Um, I, it kind of depends on who they work for and if they send them down. But I'm really excited. Obviously, I'll let you guys kind of talk on it. But I think it's a good opportunity for the Jets. There's no harm that can be done here. Um, you know, the Jets also don't really get a lot of positive press. And I think it's important for a couple of days for people to really pay attention to who Robert Sala is and pay attention to LaFleur and Ulbrich did not do a terrible job this year, whatever people want to tell you. Um, he had moments where it was, it was tough. And I think he trusted these guys. They implicitly, they put them in a lot of tough situations and we can, I'll stop rambling on this, but I think LaFleur and Ulbrich both put Zach and some of these young corners in tough spots on purpose. They were trying to win, but I also think they want to be like, if I trust you, are you going to get the job done? And a lot of times they didn't, but it's like, that's okay. It's now in year two. When I put you in the situation again, you bet third and 20s yeah. cannot be given up next year yeah no this is this is all fair stuff and i think the biggest thing besides zach not turning the ball over uh no interceptions for five straight games he had in the season is like i think he actually was just orchestrating the offense the way it needs to be done and that was something that you weren't seeing you felt like he was just living off of off platform and forcing things but he actually was doing what he needed to do and i think that's a big thing that you need to take going to next season as well so I agree with you, Will. I think they were challenging him a little bit, and then he finally kind of figured it out mentally. But, uh, Delbert, I want to hear your thoughts about the Jets, you know, coaching the Senior Bowl for the first time, at least that I can remember. Yeah, no, I think Will hit hit the nail on the head. I think, I think too, what somebody had tweeted – I know you hear me say this a lot. Somebody had tweeted this, and it pissed me off. Somebody, <laughs> somebody <laughs> a lot of things tweeted, happen like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, my, my, my month break was good. It was very much well needed. But somebody had tweeted like, oh, well, you don't expose your assistant coaches because they might get poached or whatever. Like, that's a first world problem. That's a problem that I hope the Jets have where somebody's like, man, you know, I really want to take, you know, Jeff Oberg and make him a head coach. That means that's that we did something right. Right. That means that that solid tree. Right. Or the, you know, the Shanahan tree has started to produce more assistance. Right. I think it, I think it's I think it's really cool. I think that one, I'm really excited because the prospects that make themselves so much money in the senior bowl, 
right? Like guys who were maybe, you know, second rounders that jump into the first round, right? Like I remember when Debo Samuel went out there and just dominated the senior bowl, right? And folks were like, listen, like he could sneak into the end of round one. He could, right? And then the Niners took him and now look at him, right? He's essentially their running back, their quarterback, their their number one receiver. He's their weapon, right? Yeah. You know, so I think, I think to Will's point, this is a very deep corner class. This is a very deep interior offensive line class, a very deep tackle class and a very deep pass rusher class. And realistically, that's what the Jets need. The Jets don't need to invest premium assets in running back. Um, They don't need to invest premium assets at quarterback because they took their quarterback last year. Um, They don't need to invest premium assets at inside linebacker with Mosley, but the Jets are in nickel anyway, right? They're in primary a 4-2-5, a 3-2-6 anyway. So this designation of like, well, an inside, you need an inside linebacker and a weak side. No, you just need linebackers. You need somebody next to CJ Mosley. That to, you know, Russo's point is not going to be smirched, you know, David Harris's number like Gerard Davis did this year. Like that's kind of <laughs> the deal, right? That's kind of Yeah, his play was offensive, man. <laughs> his play was offensive. But so I think that's that's what you want to do. So the Jets are gonna the Jets have so many picks now, and I've I've said this repeatedly. I don't think they stay at ten. I think they trade back. I think they try to get an asset in twenty twenty three. I do agree with Will that I think you're gonna see them go and get a big time wide receiver. You know, I don't think they're gonna wait for the draft just to address the position. I think they're gonna go get a veteran wide receiver, and I think they're gonna draft a guy because realistically, Denzel Mims's clock is running out. <laughs> it's running out. The scholarship is over. The scholarship is over. So I think that's what it is. And and lastly, I'll say Denzel Mims made himself a lot of money at the senior bowl. He just did. Right. Like, like, right. And it's funny. Cause like a lot of the scout guys like showed film of him at the senior bowl and you could see the rawness, right? You saw the physical gifts, but you saw the rawness and route running, right? You saw that he didn't have the most fluid hips. That's the time where you, to Will's point where say a Robert Sala comes over and he's like, Hey man, listen, like I need you to, I need you to run a hitch. Right. Are you the guy that storms off and throws your helmet because you don't like to be coached that hard? Or are you the guy that says, you know what, I'm going to run this hitch the best out of anybody here 10 out of 10 times. And those are the guys that I think Robert Vassal is going to look for. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, no, it's it's great stuff. The only one thing about Debo I've been thinking about as I watch him play, I feel like he's exactly what the Vikings thought when they were when they drafted both Corderell and Percy Harvin, what they thought they can get out of them. Granted, Corderell's had this resurgence with the Falcons, but like when they spent like premium picks on those guys, like as these offensive weapons that could do all these different things, he's exactly what they thought they were getting with those guys. Meanwhile, both have had moments in the NFL, but Debo is just like he's the most explosive player in just so many different ways. It's it's so fun watching him play. I love it. When you have a creative mind like Kyle Shanahan that's coaching him, I mean, that just adds that additional factor there. Agreed. Right. Well, yeah. you I was at? just going to say, like, I know I'm probably the only one that watches soccer. I know D.A. watched a little bit. I don't know if you guys do, but there's certain players in soccer that, like, the team has to be built around these guys. They have to go to this right specific manager, the specific team, and, like, then they break out, right? So, like, the Cordell Patterson, like, Arthur Smith being super creative. He's a really good offensive coach. And the Falcons offense where, like, they have a lot of positionless guys, like a Kyle Pitts and, and Calvin Ridley's healthy and mentally okay and all that stuff. So, like, it's really cool. Those are the type of guys where, like, Percy Harvin didn't work here, um, but Percy Harvin worked in Seattle because Percy Harvin in Minnesota for a little while before like the weed and the concussions and stuff. But it was because like he, you have to have a specific offense coordinator, have a specific culture, a specific team. And like Hamas Rodriguez, who I'm sure everyone remember from the World Cup from 2014, he was like this breakout guy. And then like he went back from the World Cup and the team wasn't built around him and he kind of wasn't the same player. It's not like he was bad all of a sudden. So like I would be careful with the gadget guys um, and they're not gadget like in an and like Braxton Berrios is probably not as good of a football player, somebody somewhere else. That's just a fact. Maybe oh, in New yeah. England, 
But because of the way the Jets use him, it's actually really cool. It's a credit to this coaching staff and this culture and the team they're building offensively. And Salah talked all about how, like, this offense is not meant – there's nothing about – like, the receivers don't play positions. They're playing – like, they're trying to get the ball and scheming guys in tight quarters in order to get them the ball. Um, so just when you're monitoring guys that you like in the draft, maybe it's, like, this really exciting player that – it might not fit the Jets, and that's okay. And doesn't mean the Jets are, like, screwed up or vice versa. Um, there's also guys that, like, kind of fit everywhere. Like, Garrett Wilson's going to be good no matter where he goes because he's just a really good football player. Maybe it's with the Jets, maybe it's not. But, like, my, I guess my soapbox thing is just, like, be very careful with guys like Debo because, A, they're, a lot of them are usually one of one. And the Jets need – every team could use Debo Samuel. The Jets need Debo Samuel too, but they also need a lot of other stuff. So – Maybe they find their version of Debo or George Kittle or somebody, right? At the senior bowl, they find Trey McBride and they're like, this dude is awesome. We're taking him at 35 and we're going to go roll with him and he's going to catch 90 balls for us next year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I wasn't saying we need to take a Debo. I was just oh, no, no. Him as, uh, we, as who like wouldn't want Debo? Who wouldn't yeah, want I mean, Debo? He's a, he's a dog. No, I just want them to get good football players. I don't care what position. If they could play, that's all that matters to me. It doesn't matter what position because we have plenty of holes in the team. Basically, just don't take a quarterback high, don't take an um, interior defensive lineman high, and don't take a running back high, and I actually could probably sign up for anything. And safety, safety as well, safety as well. Sorry. Are I know there's guys, a lot of guys, discourse. Are you guys anti-Kyle Hamilton? Like, if they took Kyle Hamilton in the first round, like, are you talking yourself into it within five minutes, an hour, or are you flipping out? It's a terrible pick. It's a terrible if pick. they took him at 10, I could probably mm-hmm. sell myself on it, but not at four. It's a terrible pick. Here's <laughs> Here's here's why it's a terrible pick. Here's why. Joe Douglas has shown you repeatedly he doesn't want to pay safeties. He doesn't want to pay safeties. And if I take you in the top 10, like this is the Jamal Adams was a really good player for us, right? He's been, he was a much better player for us than he's been for Seattle. Hands it's crazy. Down, right? Right? Which is absurd, right? The play that he played, right? The two all pro appearances, the Pro Bowls, like you have to pay him. You have to make him the highest paid safety in the league. If he wasn't going to do that for Jamal Adams, He's not going to do that for Kyle Hamilton. And if you take him in the, in the top 10, you have to keep him. You can't, you can't keep jettisoning these like top 10 picks and never keeping them. You can't keep doing that. The thing with, with Kyle Hamilton is like, you're going to look at him, go to a team like Philadelphia, right? With one of their first round picks, right? Yeah. Philadelphia has the edge rushers, the interior rushers, and they, and they got some corners. So he, he can help that defense. What exactly is he going to do here, here in New York, in New York with, Let's assume they don't add, they don't address corner because I'm with Steven. If we go into next year with this receiver class, I'm going to lose my mind. And with this receiver group, I'm going to lose my mind. If we go into this next year with this corner class, I'm with this corner group, I'm going to lose my mind too. But say they do. Say they go in and they're like, we're going to start Brandon Echols and Bryce Hall at corner. No way. What the hell is Kyle Hamilton going to do at safety? On, on, on this field? <laughs> there, and, there, and I think also like there are – the way that I always view the draft is this, right? If I could theoretically, right, go and get – you know, go and get a different corner in the second round or the third round that's going to give me the same level of production that a Kyle Hamilton would give me in the top 10. Why wouldn't, why would I sink a first round asset into that when I can sink a second round yeah. asset into that? Right. Whereas if I take an Evan Neal at four, let's say I take an Evan Neal or, and you know, an IK or a Charles Cross, say those, say I take one of those three. Okay. There is not a lineman in the second round that I'm taking. That's going to be better than those three, not a one. Not a yeah. one, because there is a clear gap at tackle between those three Everybody and else. any other tackle after that, right? Like if I have to wait for like Zion Johnson's probably the best guard in the guard that was the second best guard prospect in this class behind Kenyon Green, right? I can't take Kenyon Green at 10, even though I think he's going to be a monster. 
I can take Zion Johnson at 35, though. I can take Zion Johnson at 35 and be good and be set at guard for the next 10 years with him and, and, and Elijah Vera Tucker. So you have to kind of think about like that. So Kyle Hamilton, I'm t- Kyle Hamilton would piss me off. Nicobe Dean would piss me off, right? At 10, at 10, when I look at this team, this is what you want to do. Jamison Williams would piss me off. I got to say that too, because I, I we need to end that dream now. <laughs> end that dream now, okay? Yeah. This, this is what you need. It's one of the three offensive linemen. Or when Kavion Thibodeau drops to four, you take him, okay? You take him when he drops to four, right? When 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 Houston takes Matt Corral because they're no longer sold on Davis Mills or whatever, you take him, right? And and, and Tyler Linderbaum, who again is probably going to be a very, he's probably going to be an All Pro center for the next ten years, but to take him at ten, when I can take Jarrett Patterson at 45, 50, and get the same level of production at center. I'd rather do that. It's what yes. this team needs. This team cannot afford to sink pricks into positions that don't yield those immediate returns. That does not mean that Tyler Linderbaum sucks because I know Jet fans have a struggle with reading comprehension. That doesn't mean that. <laughs> but it's <laughs> it's, just, it, is, it is a hard sell. It is a hard sell to take Hamilton or Linderbaum in the top 10. It just, it's how you're using your assets. It's, that's it's a, the value. It's all, it's, Steven, I feel like you've been holding in some thoughts here. So. No, I, I, listen, I'm not, yeah, Steven, you just hit, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Dalvin did the same thing. I'm not the draft guru. I would yield to Dalvin for or that. Am I? Same. Yeah, but it's simply put, the Jets just said Kyle Hamilton's going to be a phenomenal player. But simply put, the Jets just have way too many needs outside of safety uh, at impact positions that I would put way ahead of Kyle Hamilton, way ahead of the safety position. That's that's it. Um, offensive line, uh, pass catcher, either wide receiver or tight end, uh, edge rusher is clearly up there. Corner, I think, is still is up there too. I just think the the needs uh, that the Jets do have before you get to safety. Um, that's why I'd be pissed if they took Kyle Hamilton at 10. It's uh, he's going to be a great player, no question. But and you know, Dalvin said it initially, I don't think Joe Douglas wants to pay anybody at, at that position, They're, he's just yeah. not going to. So, I think it's my fault, Steven. I'm asking too. I'll take Linderbaum in the at 10 before I take Hamilton because, yeah. because again, also that's the offensive line, like center yep. makes everybody else better, right? Yes. Like, like if you if you have if you have a rock solid center, right? Like Forget about it. Vera Tucker's better. Beckton at right tackle's better. George Fant, who again had a nice year, but I'm a little worried because guys who have one good year worry me, man. <laughs> he was he was good in 2020. He was he was good on the right side. When we signed, no, no, when he when he, he was kind of a human turnstile, but when we got him from Seattle, right? And then he, he was decent for us last year. And this year he was better. This year he was lights out way better, right? He's yes. still young too. Maybe he's a late developer, but a center improves that offensive line in a way that just 100 nothing else really does. It also helps the quarterback. Nothing for that, right? And he and he helps Zach, right? That's the that should be the mo for this offseason. How do I help Zach? How do I turn Zach not into Patrick Mahomes? And for the folks who heard, Stephen didn't say he was Mahomes, but how do He's I not- turn him into the best version of himself? And that's by getting a pass catcher, adding something on the offensive line. We'll mention Trey McBride, who, who might be him between him and 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 Widermeyer might be the two best tight ends in this class, just in terms of big bodies in the middle of the field that can stretch the field. You want to help Zach get a, get a, get to the potential that he can get. You do not do that by taking Kyle Hamilton in the, <laughs> at, at, at tenth overall. I yeah. will. I, I'll be drunk by nine o'clock if they take. <laughs> regardless <laughs> no yeah i mean they they can't take a safety that high I, I i would not be happy with it at all and i think i think joe douglas has shown his hand here he doesn't value safeties like other gms do i mean think about a guy like darwin james he was a really touted prospect in that 2018 class and he fell to like 17 like that could very well happen to Kyle Hamilton, unless like the Eagles, like you said, we have three picks, you know, in the first round, they'll be like, you know, we have three luxury picks. We could take one where we need help on the back end. But yeah, I, I don't think the Jets are doing that. I think, 
I think the only the only defensive player they would take early would probably be Stingley or Thibodeau if they're there. I think those are the only two. Otherwise, I think it's going to be offense. It just it just makes sense. That's what they need. What about to say? Well, I just to, just to be quick. One, I think you have to like Connor was talking. I was talking to Connor about this. Like, how many times do you? did you watch a Jesse this year and like say this position group, like lost them a game, like the edge group a lot, like yes. the offensive line at some points, a lot, the receiver group at some points, a lot, like mm-hmm. corner and safety, like they didn't lose the jets games. Like, I don't think they're like, they need, they need bodies at both spots, but like, I don't think I, the Stingley thing is weird for me. Um, he was, in my opinion, pretty clearly the best player in the country in 2019. He was better than Joe Burrow. He was better than Justin Jefferson. Like he was the best player in the country. Like as an 18 year old freshman was the best college football player on the planet. Um, Since then he's been hurt and not been great. And I just, if I'm a Jets fan, it's hard for me to rationalize a team. That, I don't think they take a corner in the top 10. Um, I think they like this developing, like Sal likes the, the challenge of developing day three guys. Stingley's just tough because like if he hits he's Patrick Peterson for the next 10 years and you have an eight-time all-pro and you don't worry about corner for the next 10 years right mm-hmm. but if he doesn't then like you're getting Mo Claiborne and D Milner and like not because he's always banged up and like I know it's a terrible like thought but like it is the truth if guys that get banged up you do not get healthier this is what I've learned I've learned this lesson in life and in football you don't get healthier every year. You usually get more injured. So if you're getting hurt 18, 19, 20, 21, there's a good chance at 24, 25, 26, you're still getting hurt. Carl Lawson's not going to get healthier. Um, he might get a good injury luck next year, which we all hope for. And I literally pray on it, but Carl Lawson's ligaments aren't going to like get stronger now as every year doesn't make him a healthier player. So um, Stingley's super polarizing. And if someone, if they draft him again, I talk myself into it, but, I just have a hard time. Like, I don't think they can afford that risk. Although Joe Douglas does like risks in round one. Um, Zach was a risk at some level, and obviously Zach was a risk. Yeah, Makai's yeah. as risky as it gets. I will yeah. say, with, I will say with Stingley because he's I I I think Will's right. Like that year, that freshman year, he was the best player in the country. Um, to Will's point, I think he I think he's been banged up or whatever, right? Um, but I also think, you know, he reminds me a lot of he reminds me of Marshawn Lattimore, who also had soft tissue injuries. And now look at Marshawn Lattimore. He's top five corner in the league, right? So I, yeah. I think – I don't think the Jets will take him at four or at ten. But I will tell you this. I, I feel like, to Will's point about Douglas taking the swings in the first round, if Stingley is there at ten, I find it I, – I, and It's intriguing for him. I, yeah, I, I, I would not be surprised if he took him. I would not be surprised if he took him because <clears> – <throat> You look at this defense, and to Will's point, the corners didn't lose you games. Like even Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow didn't necessarily. Joe Burrow put 555 yards on Baltimore's defense. He didn't do that to us, right? He did not do that to us. But if you left the first round, if you would have told any Jet fan at the beginning of this season that you're going to leave the first round with Kayvon Thibodeau and Derek Stingley, every Jet fan signs up for that. Every oh single yeah, game. it's like every the only, it's the <laughs> only scenario of them double dipping on defense that I'm. Is okay. that is them too? That's it's it. Them too. Is them That's too? It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, this has been this has been fun, guys. It's been weird having two people on with us because usually it's one, but uh, no, we can't thank you guys enough for coming on. I know you guys have plenty of thoughts on the offseason, Will. I know you're going to keep grinding away on the pod. Do you want to give us a little preview on maybe some guests? I feel like you could tease yeah. this out to the, to the fans. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I won't, I won't tease too many of them. By the way, I know we didn't get to this because we we went on a total rant, but dream dream uh, offseason acquisition for me. Um, it's kind of a under the radar one. I would like, I'd rather see them invest other like assets. Other like it's either Calvin Ridley or Devondre Campbell for me, just because they're realistic. It feels like somewhat, um, and Mosley and Campbell would be a pretty good pairing that could play three downs and. Campbell's an underrated. He's going to be an all pro this year in green Bay and no one's talked about it. Um, Pod wise. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff coming up. (coughs) Excuse me. We'll have a bunch of, there'll be some jets coaches on in the off season. Um, There'll be some current players, some foreign players, and then um, all of the NFL live crew will be on Um, so far majority, if not all of the PFF, like analysts, the guys that were on last year, and then a couple of other ones um, coming on and, you know, we'll, we'll do some good things. There's, there's, I don't want to tease too much of it just because I want to let people kind of find out uh, on their own, but um, there's, there'll be a lot of, there'll be a lot of good stuff. And um, obviously you guys have been doing a great job and, you know, continued, uh, continued success and come back uh, firing in March. Yeah. Dalvin, how excited are you? Draft season articles, you're writing again, you know, yeah. give us a little preview on some stuff that you'll be doing during the off season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, and first, again, I'd be remiss if I didn't tip my hat to you boys and also to you, Will. Um, I, you know, and I'd say this all the time whenever I talk to anybody about TOJ, when I joined 10 years ago, like I couldn't imagine we would have the guest list that we have on the TOJ pod, a live show. Um, and this week we officially launched the draft season website, right? Which again, like a draft centric website for us. Like I started writing UDFAs for TOJ. That's how I got put on, you know, you know, and Joe, and Joe is, Joe knows this. He is my guy. Like, you know, I, I, we, I like to joke with him that I say what he can't say on the internet for, for him, um, you know, but I, you know, so one, I couldn't be prouder of both of you guys. You guys have crushed it, man. And you will, you know, you know, you're, you know, you guys are my, you are as a genuinely good people. You guys are my people. You always have somebody, you know, who has your back in me. Um, um, so the draft season site dropped this week. I dropped my first mock draft um, and I laid this, I laid claim to the, to, to the point that Malik Willis is quarterback one in this draft. I don't want to hear no nonsense um, because this is what's going to happen. Malik's going to go to a real good situation and they're going to be like, Oh my God, nobody saw this coming. And then I'm going to drop the link to the article for you. Um, but so we have like a bunch Lamar. It could it, be like it, Lamar. It, it, it's going to be exactly like Lamar. That's exactly what it's going to be. Because here's the thing. In, in, a, in, a, in the NFL, and Will knows that I talk about this a lot, we're in the era of positionless football. It doesn't matter right now if you get like an X receiver, a Y receiver, a Z receiver, a power back, a, a third down. You don't need that. What you need are five guys that can catch the ball and take it to the house at any chance that you get, right? That's what you need. That's why the 49ers are, are, are poised for dominance if Trey Lance hits because you have George Kittle, Debo Samuel, you have Brandon Ayuk. You had another weapon in, 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 in that thing. You say you have a, you have Eli Mitchell, you have Trey Sermon. You'll be, you'll be in good shape. The Jets, I think, are building an offense that's like that, where it's not so much about I need a six foot five receiver and then like a little slot guy or whatever. It's not that. It's I'm going to get the best pass catchers. If he happens to be six feet five, then that's who I'm going to get. Shout out to Trey Burks, wide receiver number one. But <laughs> Um, I think this is such an exciting offseason because we have been waiting for good Jets football for a really long time, man. Feels like forever. Yeah, it feels like forever, right? So the draft, free agency, um, and we're just going to keep hitting you guys with content. Um, Draft season, the pod's going fine. They're doing well without me. Um, I I may have to jump back on because I think Meeks is getting too big ahead, but I love Meeks. Meeks is my guy. Yes, (laughs) but no, we appreciate you guys coming on and make sure you guys follow them both on Twitter, I'm sure. Most of you guys do already because you follow us, but uh, we can't thank everybody enough. It's been it's been really fun to do this show. Steven, 
want to hear some thoughts from you before we close it out, before we take a little bit of a break. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this was uh, this was the perfect way to close it out. Dalvin, Will, it was great to have you guys on. Um, you know, coming into this season, I, we, we both thought, Stephen, that this was going to be it was going to be fun because the optimism around this team hasn't really been where it is now for a long time and roller coaster of a season. Definitely. You can't say it was a disappointment. I think we all feel as good uh, as we have felt um, in a long time about this as we head into the 2022 off season. So uh, it's, it's bittersweet. Like I said, in the opening um, time for a break, but uh, I'm looking forward to coming back with you in a couple of months, Steven. And as soon as uh, some good free agency news drops, man, we'll be back on. Uh, sharing our thoughts, but appreciate everyone out there that listened, uh, that tuned in uh, to watch us live, that listened on the podcast, um, all the guests that we had, man, it was a ton of fun. And uh, I can't wait to, uh, to get back and going uh, in a couple of months. Yeah, it's, it, it'll be, it'll be weird not doing it because we've been doing it every Wednesday since May 12th of last year, which is wild to think. I know, Will, you've been doing pods for basically a year straight, which is the same, but like, I can't thank everyone enough. I know so many people have reached out, you know, when we did the the stuff in Hoboken, a bunch of people came and it was super cool to talk to people. And, you know, it's, it's really great. Cause I know somebody tweeted at me, like, I think it was last week or just saying that, like, this is like one of their favorite times of the week. You're just hearing our show. And like, that means so much to me because, you know, we're just doing this for like, for fun to entertain people, just to have a conversation. Like we know, like we're a Jets fan, we're a Jets site. We're not like people who cover the team, even though Will, I feel like kind of covers the team a little bit, I would say, because he does get information. But my point is, is that we don't think that we know everything. We just want to have conversation and it's such a great platform. And we definitely going to try to change things up as we head into our second season, you know, in July. But yeah, like Steven said, we'll be back in March. We'll do some free agent shows. We'll do some draft shows. And then we'll take a little bit of a break until July when camp is heating up. But yeah, it's, it's been awesome. And to collect, you know, to wrap it up one more time, you know, make sure check out Badlands, you know, Connor and Joe, it's the best premium Jets content you're going to get anywhere on the internet. It's worth the $5. You're going to get some docu-series. You're going to get some really fun stuff from Connor from a mock draft perspective. Check that out and make sure you tap, check out TapRM to get that $50 off your first $100 purchase of beer. It's so worth it, especially in the winter when you don't want to go to the liquor store. Check it out. Thanks again, everybody. You know, hit us up on Twitter at SNS, at Stephen Russo, Ted.